can't do this anymore. What does that mean? Are you, you quitting? No. No, I just don't want to go on tour. I'm sorry. I can't handle it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Jason Brewer. Hey, guys. What's shaking? Happy New Year, guys. If you're just tuning in, Jason and I are lifelong fans of the Beach Boys, and we are also musicians. We play in an original group called the Explorers Club and also a Beach Boys tribute called Sail On. Uh, So we wanted to quickly fill you in on some upcoming shows we had just in case that some of you could come hang and talk Beach Boys with us and have an adult beverage. Jason, what do we have coming up? So for the month of January, we're playing January 13th, which is very soon, at the City Winery in Nashville, Tennessee. So come see us there. Playing at the Imogene Theater in Milton, Florida on January 26th and January 27th we're playing at Stand Up Live in Huntsville, Alabama. Very cool. So if you're in the area, come on out and say hello. We'll be playing all over the place this year, so hopefully we'll catch some of you guys. Um, But yeah, we just premiered our first episode of the Sail On Radio exclusively for patrons of the show so if you guys find value in what we do on the podcast and want to support us then you can get access to all our bonus episodes and please head on over to patreon.com slash to check it out uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and this is a way for us to expand what we do give you guys some more beach boys content so thanks again we'll start off this week with some emails First up, we got Gene Scalati. Hi, Jason and Wyatt. A pal turned me on to the podcast, and I love it. Just dug the Shutdown Volume 2 episode. I more or less agree with you guys' rankings of the individual tracks, though I'd probably give the LP higher than a 6. Of the hundreds of covers of Louie Louie, the boys' version is actually one of the closest to Richard Berry's original, something that always struck me as significant about Don't Worry Baby. They're so effortlessly in charge, so coolly confident that in the middle section, there's no solo, no unifying riff or focus tying the song back together. Just that comping with Carl flicking off those single licks. To have done anything more would have been superfluous, a close to perfect 10. And Cassius versus Sonny. I've written about this before, but maybe it bears repeating. Sure, it's filler, but it's also a rare glimpse at a big name band that saw nothing wrong with kidding itself. The Beatles couldn't manage this until 1967 on the coda to All You Need Is Love, where they mock sing the chorus to She Loves You. These guys, Cali wise asses, as much as musical geniuses, know, as you guys rightly pointed out, that humor is one of God's great inventions, and they have no compunction about ribbing each other in public yet. And for us fans back then, I was a high school senior in 64, that inside look at our heroes was revelatory. All the best, Gene Scalati. Gene, great to hear from you. Hadn't heard from you in a long time. Thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah, I mean, great observations. You know, I think it's kind of cool 
we were kind of given a hard time to the filler stuff, um, as you were mentioning, but I could see on that perspective, it was probably a thrill. And I think when we, me and Wyatt talked about that album a while back, I even said that I, as much as it's kind of cornball, I'm way into it. So, you know, thanks for the, thanks for the email. Thank you for listening. And I hope you keep tuning in because we got a lot of really cool stuff. So thanks for writing Gene. Yeah, I concur. Thanks, Gene. We really, uh, we really do enjoy the goofy stuff, but <laughs> it's kind of hard to take it seriously sometimes when you got these genius songs and then all of a sudden it's like this weird filler track of like pseudo comedy, but you know, it's, it's charming for what it is. And I guess we've probably talked about it enough. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, next up an email from Tim Gallagher. Hi, Jason and Wyatt. I recently discovered your podcast and listened to the David Marks episode, and we'll check out more. Great stuff. I have a recent spark in my 45-plus years love of the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean after reading Dean Torrance's book and learning Ricky Martin's Beached was reissued. Love that record. I saw Ricky open for the Beach Boys a couple times. The first concert that I paid for with my own money and saw with my buddies was August 21st, 1975, the Beach Boys at Dayton's Hara Arena. The opening act was Ambrosia. In prior years, my parents had taken me to Johnny Cash and Glen Campbell, which I sure appreciate now more than I did then. Sweet. I saw quite a few Beach Boys shows in the late 70s, including Three and Three Nights in 79, Indy, Cincy, and Toledo. That's awesome. The items pictured below got personally signed during the day of April 30th, 1979, at the band's hotel in Indianapolis. That was a good day. It was the pre-Sharpie marker era, but I knew enough to have Dennis... Sign in a marker on his album cover. Keep up the good work, Tim Gallagher. And he posted uh, in the email a picture of um, Dennis's Pacific Ocean Blue signed by Dennis. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and I wanted to just mention that if you guys haven't checked out that Ricky Martin album, it's pretty cool. Um, Ricky Martin, R-I-C-C-I, not to be confused with the Latino smash pop singer from the 90s, but... Um, Dean Martin's son, and uh, he did this record at Brother Studios, which is owned by the Beach Boys, and uh, co-produced by Carl, and it featured Dennis Wilson and many of the Beach Boys' family, including Billy Hinchy, Ed Carter, Van Dyke Parks, and Carly Munoz. It's pretty rad. People speeding around everywhere. Yeah, it's got a couple of really good tracks, and I, I like the sound, the sound of it. I'm drawn more to maybe than the songs, but the sound of it's super cool. It sounds like a Wilson thing from that era. Full sail. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but thanks for the email, Tim. Uh, it must have been pretty awesome to see those three concerts in a row. Uh, I would have loved that, and it's great that you got the autographs and... You know, I, I think I've said it a million times. I wish I could have seen the Beach Boys in the 70s live because I love that era of the band. It just is intriguing to my ears and sights. 
for sure. I agree. I think that era, especially like he said, 79, like I just finished reading Rocky Pamplin's book, um, which I recommend checking out. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it is to be taken, um, in context, uh, and uh, with a grain of salt, but I really enjoyed it because it talks about, you know, the era that we don't really get to hear about from anybody. Um, 78, 79, 80, like that era is just kind of uh, brushed under the rug. There was a lot of infighting in the Beach Boys and a lot of bad blood going down um, and uh, families getting torn apart and whatnot. So it's really interesting to me um, to get any sort of insight into that. And I wonder what those shows were like. I bet they were kind of interesting on their own. I wonder, uh, wonder what Brian's demeanor was moving along. The next email comes from, and I hope I'm saying this right. Ola Clayson. Hi, Wyatt and Jason. I write to you all the way from the South of Sweden to say how much I appreciate and enjoy your podcast. I've been a fan of the beach boys for 30 years and consider myself quite a nerd. However, I'm learning a lot from you guys, and Ceylon makes work fly by. I'm blessed to have a job that allows me to listen to pods and music without any colleagues asking me to turn the volume down. I started out as a fan of Surfing USA, Fun, 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 and I Get Around, the early stuff, because how can anyone not love those songs? Then I read about Paul McCartney loving Pet Sounds, saying God Only Knows was the best song ever. So off I went, an introverted guy in my mid to late teens. I found it beautiful and could really relate to the lyrics and their search for love and understanding, the big questions for anyone that age, things I didn't know how to communicate. But who can? It gets easier, thank God. Pet Sounds really moved me, and it still does, and I now feel for teenage me and the feelings of being on the outside and not being able to relate to his peers. Brian and his music helped me, and it probably helped others as well. I felt every word of I just wasn't made for these times. I had the double CD, California Gold. The very best of the Beach Boys. The cover is a picture of a surfer framed by light blue. And I used to turn it on after good vibrations on the second CD. Heroes and Villains was just too weird, until it suddenly gave me goosebumps. At first I also found Caroline Noah a bit scary. Had they been doing drugs or something? What was that weird percussion sound? I just didn't think it sounded like the Beach Boys. Well, little did I know. They grew up and so did I, and now I really like the commercially lost but artistically great years from 68 to 73, Boom! and I can't wait to hear the episodes covering 2020, Sunflower, and Holland. Not to mention in concert. Wow, they went from being Brian's boys to being a proper democratic band. Impressive. Though Pet Sounds is probably still my favorite. Still one of a kind, lost in a parallel universe. After 73, apart from the weird uncle you love called The Beach Boys Love You, I'm not so sure. Maybe you'll be able to make me give the later ones another chance. Who knows? We'll get there in time, I'm sure. Anyway, thank you very much for sharing so much love and knowledge for and about the great music of one of my favorite bands and keep them coming. Love and mercy, Ola Clayson, Sweden. What a great little capsule of your life with The Beach Boys there, Ola. Love that email. Um man what a cool you know way to discovery and it's really similar to a lot of people's discovery but you know i can really sense your your passion for the music and and how it kind of moved you not only because you love the music but moved you maybe emotionally in different ways so you know this it's the reason why we love doing this podcast because we feel that way about this music too so thanks for writing in great great job great email love it 
Um, okay, let's get into what we're talking about today. How about that? So, killer. We left off a few weeks ago talking about the Today album, which uh, we loved very much, and the boys did not rest. They recorded that album in January, mostly of '65. Brian decided to sit down with the band and his family and break the news to them that he was no longer going to be touring with the band. And they took it very hard. Um, I've heard that Mike cried and uh, Dennis flipped out a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, I think it was the right decision. He knew that he wasn't happy on the road. He knew that it was bad for his mental health. He had just had a really bad nervous breakdown on a flight to Houston. They had already had to get Glenn Campbell to fill in for a few dates. And um, at this point, they just decided to keep going with Glenn. You know, he agreed to keep doing the dates with them for a few exceptions where Brian came out. And uh, they continued on tour all along the East Coast in February, doing a short stint into Canada as well. And uh, on February 15th, they released the Do You Want to Dance? Please Let Me Wonder single. And then um, soon after that, they decided to recut Help Me Rhonda, which had yet to be released. But um, they had already decided that they wanted to give it another shot. Because I think um, Terry Melcher told Brian that he wanted to do the song in his group, The Rip Chords, with Bruce Johnston. You know, a little crossover there. But... Uh, Brian was like, no, don't do it yet because I want to give it another shot. So Brian and uh, Mike kind of reworked a couple little lines and uh, Brian went in this time with mostly just the Beach Boys, but they added in uh, Carol Kay and Hal Blaine from the Wrecking Crew on bass and drums. But a much simpler combo sound, um, slightly faster and um, a little bit more of a rock sound. And um, I think they knocked it out of the park. Well, since she put me down, I've been up to it in my head. I come in late at night, and in the morning I just lay in bed. But Ronnie, you look so fine, and I know it wouldn't take much time for you to help me, Ronnie, help me get her out of my heart. Help me, Ronnie. I think that this version is my favorite version of the song. I think I mentioned that last time we talked about it. Yep. Um, man, I love the energy. Al's vocal is ridiculous on this. And, I mean, I can't get, I can't get enough of this. I still like never you know like sometimes when you get really used to a greatest hit you just kind of you know you don't you kind of forget how magical it is this one never ever goes over my head you know so i'm always a big fan of this recording and i like some of the alternate versions of it i know there's the version on the today album but there's like an alternate mix that came out on that endless harmony soundtrack 
and I get yeah, where Brian's that. doing the high part on the chorus yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I get way into that. So I'm a big fan of help, help me around it for sure. I do like it better. I think they really got the tempo right and Al's vocals better. So I, I give it a seven out of ten. It's 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 one of their more catchy songs. Obviously, it was a big hit. Um, came out April um, with "Kiss Me, Baby" on the B side, and it reached number one. So it was their second number one hit. Um, great sing along chorus. Um, super fun song. Everybody knows it. It's hard to get it out of your head. Yeah, I'm gonna go eight out of ten because I think it's a smash hit. And it's one of my favorite early Beach Boys tunes. I really dig it. I like that. It's also based a little bit on Fannie Mae, old blues rock and roll 50s song. Oh, yeah. Nobody really talks about that, but it's totally the same uh, signature lick, as they call them here in Nashville. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, I love that song. Help Me Ronda Rocks, 8 out of 10. Around this time, uh, Brian and Marilyn bought their first house in Laurel Canyon in the Hollywood Hills. A really amazing house. I got the chance to go visit it um, recently, and uh, it's just got an incredible view. If you guys have seen um, Love and Mercy, the movie, it's not the same house from the movie, but it looks almost exactly like it. Like The backyard with the pool and the view of, of Hollywood is just unbelievable i mean to be you know like a 22 year old kid getting to move up into that house man what a thrill and also just like what inspiration that is yeah i bet i just think it's so cool um and being able to see it was like being able to see like the mona lisa for me it's just really really cool um because a lot of great music was written in that house and just really really interesting time march 8th as we said, the Today album was released. And then on March 20th, um, they decided to get on into the studio and work on a brand new song that Brian had written. Uh, at the time, it didn't really have a name. Brian called it I Hate Rock and Roll. But <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. I was I was reading a lot of these early titles for these songs, and I think Brian was getting into the studio so fast to do these tracks that he didn't really have the lyrics and Mike was on the road a lot of the time, so they didn't really have the lyrics done or even the titles. So there's some really funny titles on these. But um, yeah, the song would later be called Let Him Run Wild. Let him run wild. I can't yeah. Let him run wild. And don't, we don't care. Say, we don't care. Yeah. 
The song was tracked at Western, and they did the vocals later on at Columbia Studios in June because they had that eight-track recorder, and uh, they could really expand their vocals, and they could do more tracking and get that huge sound, Mm -hmm. um, which really made a difference. Um, And this song um, featured the Wrecking Crew, of course, um, awesome vibraphone by Frank Cap, and uh, just like a really, really great Bacharach-esque vibe to it um a really cool lazy swing like really really love the track of this um more than i like the vocals i'll even say like i just love the track i think the instrumental version of this is one of my favorites to listen to um and the lyrics are very good too it's really interesting um it's kind of a different kind of a different subject for the boys kind of talking about um this girl who had a guy who wanted to kind of mess around with other girls and this the you know Brian's saying yeah go for it let him let him do what he wants to do and then when he's done with you then then you're all mine so it's a really cool song um really interesting like I said great great uh great arrangement and uh I think the the vocals are great I think Brian hated his vocal on this song but I love it I think it's really really good um he always said that he sounded whiny and shrill and wished that he could have redone it. And he actually did go back and redo it on his Imagination album in 1998, which um, I have a very controversial opinion about, but I'm not going to get into that yet. You guys will have to wait. But um, mm. I love this song. I give it an 8 out of 10. Man, it's hard for me to not agree with 8 out of 10. I kind of want to give it a 9 out of 10, but I'm going to go at it 8 out of 10. I'm not going to get crazy. <laughs> um, I really love this song. I remember the first time I heard it a long time ago. I was just like, this sounds so different than the other Beach Boy songs to me. It's so sophisticated. And it definitely had some Bacharach vibes, um, which n- n- if anyone knows me, that's just like my favorite thing outside of anything Brian Wilson. So, of course, I'm really drawn to this. So, I'm going to agree with Mr. Y-Man here. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. I back it. And I did I did want to add that, yeah. you know, this has such a sophisticated studio sound, obviously leading toward pet sounds, which we'll get to later, of course. But, you know, it's interesting, like, when you're looking over these notes of all the people that played on all these songs that we've been talking about forever, now we're really starting to see so much more of the high-end Wrecking Crew guys just elevating the beach boys from being you know a great teen band to like sophisticated music that should be taken seriously and i think that's a thing that always kind of is funny to me when i hear somebody say oh well yeah they had to bring in backup musicians oh well they brought those guys in to elevate them to the next level so they'd be incredible so i don't i never have a problem with that so moving along through march they continued touring they did some shows with Brian because they were recording a new live record in Chicago. So Brian came out and they did um, two dates there. Um, the album didn't come out, but it would be released on the copyright extension, you know, live sets that they do. And I suggest you guys check it out. It's pretty cool. I love something about the 65 shows is that Carl's playing a 12 string pretty much the whole time. Love and he's it. just ripping it to pieces. It's it's hilarious. It's just like so raunchy and loud, and like he's playing all the surf solos on twelve string. It's just it's awesome. 
But then, yeah, so they're 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 going back into the studio, or at least Brian is when he gets back um, on March 29th to do a new song called Sandy. And some of you have heard this song titled uh, Sherry, She Needs Me, or She Says That She Needs Me. It's kind of hard to tell what the original intention was, but it was kind of always um, somebody she needs me. But the original version was just a backing track with some unfinished vocals. Super cool. Not sure why they didn't finish the song, um, because I think it's a really great song. Well, Brian does later. Yeah, Brian did finish it twice, actually. So he did it uh, in the 70s. He did a a new version um, and called it... um, Sherry, she needs me, and they comped that version um, with the original unfinished version to make the stereo remix in 2013. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. They were considering putting that on the Love You album, but um, it's a cool way to kind of see like what the song would have sounded like if they had finished it. Um, although it's weird to have like 1976 Brian singing and then 1965 Brian singing at the end. <laughs> I think that's always interesting <laughs> it's kind of like on love you when you hear good time and it's like wait is that the oh, same yeah. person who is that that's <laughs> but, probably um, that's probably why they never really issued that version people were just like this song is great but this is just too much sherry don't hair cuts just cause you took me Um, but again, Brian really loved this record, um, this time period, and he went on to do this song as well on the Imagination album and uh, retitled it, She Says That She Needs Me. And at the time when that album came out, I had never heard uh, Sherry She Needs Me or Sandy or anything else. Like, um, So I just thought it was a new song and I loved it. But um, turns out he was just pulling something out of his bag of tricks that we didn't even know about. But there's a lot of that in that era. Um, we'll get to that eventually, but um, really, really dig this song, even though it's not really a finished song. It's hard to kind of rate it. I think like if you're going to rate um, the 2013 remix, I'd give it a six out of 10. I think it's cool. I think Brian's vocals decent, but it's just, again, weird to have him singing in that gruff, you know, kind of smoker Brian and then jumping into sweet sounding Brian at the end. Um, right. But I really dig the song and I really... Honestly, like if I had to pick a version to listen to, it would be the imagination version. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> <laughs> I've always I've always loved this track. It's super cool. Um, no matter which form it's in, I'm into it. But I also think that probably the reason why it didn't completely come together, just to be honest, is it is an awesome song, but it doesn't land as hard as some of this other stuff that we're going to talk about. And so maybe he knew that after a lot of attempts. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's it it would fit better on the Today album, honestly. Yeah, it's a really cool song. The composition is really interesting. I do want to at some point do some episodes about some of the uh, compositional kind of themes that Brian used. I think that'll be really interesting because we're seeing a lot of these things pop up over and over again. And I think it might be a little bit too nerdy for the main podcast, but maybe on some bonus material. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Anyway, moving along. The next day, the Wrecking Crew is back in the studio with a new song that Brian wrote with Mike called Salt Lake City. All right, we want to have it all from the top. Everybody, here we go. Big jam session, huh? Take one. Blow, man. From the very top, intro, please. Frankie, come in on A. There's two bars of Carol there, huh? Okay, here we go. Yes. Yes. Let me hear the chords you're going to play in the intro, please. Horns. I think somebody's supposed to be... Ba-ba, I think the trumpet's on that note. One more time, please, with, uh, with Carol, everybody on the intro. Here we go. This song is really, really fun. It was about one of their favorite places to play. From 1963 to 73, they performed at uh, the Lagoon Amusement Park's Patio Gardens at least 12 times. And Utah was one of the earliest places that the Beach Boys music was played outside of California. They kind of embraced them as their own. And uh, Brian says, I remember going to Salt Lake City on tour and on a day off, we went to the lake itself. It was amazing. It was so salty that you didn't have to paddle. You could just lie on top of the water and float. I love thinking about Brian just sitting out there floating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, in town, there was a bar called The Lagoon with more pretty girls than you could ever imagine. There you go. We put that in the song. My dad was with us on that tour, and he wouldn't let us drink beer. It was like we were Mormons ourselves, except that Dennis and Mike didn't listen. They went off on their own. I mostly kept to myself or stayed at the hotel and talked to girls down in the lobby. One girl stayed and talked to me for a long time and a few weeks later sent me a letter. Marilyn read it and didn't like that at all. The girl had ideas about how things might go with us that weren't what a wife would want to see. Yikes. It made things harder at home for a little while there. (laughs) I think that also didn't hurt that he stopped touring because um, I'm sure Marilyn was was happier having him around. Um, But yeah, this was... uh, actually released as a single i didn't realize this but they released it in the city of salt lake city itself just as a kind of a promotional um sort of like a tourism thing like they they put it out at like downtown stores and stuff and um 
I thought that was really cool, and they backed it with Amusement Parks USA, which really fits well. And I now I'm like gonna have to hunt for that single. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, man. Um, you know the stories, the Wrecking Crew. It's our it's our good buds. All the all the usual suspects. Great horn mm-hmm. section on this one. Um, of course, you know you got Carol Kay, Lyle Ritz on the bases, Hal Blaine, Al Delory. Billy Strange. It's just it's just an awesome track. Um, the horns stand out to me. I think it's one of their best horn arrangements. One horn starts it. Da 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 da. Another horn adds. Da da da. Okay, here we go, please. It's just a super fun song, man. It like it really does harken back to like all summer long vibes. For me, and I think that's what they were trying to do with this record, because today was such kind of a melancholy feel. Um, but I really, really dig it, man. Um, I gave it a seven out of ten. They go ride with you on that seven out of ten, and I'm going to base most of that on how much I love the intro to this song. I really love that kind of the dual, the dual basses or whatever we got going on there, the guitar and the bass kind of blending together, and it just kicks in, and it really just has kind of a, it was kind of a newer sound for them i think like again yep. it went back to what i said earlier about the wrecking crew i mean it just elevated their sound so much and we talked a little bit about how the sound quality you know they're using eight track now was also more elevated and it's really evident on this particular track you can really hear the kind of a little more space a little more clarity so i mean for those are my main reasons why i like that song a ton so it's a really great listen i always love cranking up that goofy song oh yeah man it's great now my next question is when are we going to salt lake city because i want to go play at the lagoon well man i love going out there so we'll make it happen we'll figure it out i've never been i want to go love it if you're in utah and you're listening i'm a fan for many 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 reasons (laughs) well yeah if you're in utah and you have been to any of these places or if you've got that crazy salt lake city single then let's talk but yeah um so on april 5th the help me Rhonda" single was released with kiss me baby and uh what a great single that is what a great one-two punch and uh as we know it reached number one on the charts so they were in for a very big summer on april 6th right back into the studio doing a very important song but the original title was we don't know and uh i think it's funny again like the the song didn't really have lyrics when they first started it and brian can be heard calling the song oh yeah and you're a grass and i'm a power mower just really really wacky and uh, uh it wasn't until uh, Mike heard the song that they really put together the, the idea and the lyrics. Um, and I do credit Mike with writing one of my favorite Beach Boys lyrics. And of course, it's California Girls. We had a little mistake here. We have to do it again. Yeah, it was me. Let me even conduct the first couple beats of A2, okay? Here we go. <coughs> Here we go. Here we go. Hold it. All right, here we go. You're grass and I'm a power mower. Take, what is it, nine? Eight. Eight. 
Mike says, This time I was in the recording booth at the studio, then I listened to the session players and heard the tracks, then I stepped into the hallway with a yellow pad and pen. The song's working title had evolved to I Dig the Girls, and Brian had written one line of the chorus, I wish they all could be California girls. I wanted the song to be a tribute to the girls everywhere, not just in the United States, let alone California, but everywhere in the world. My goal was to put words on paper that reflected what I had seen with my own eyes while also fitting Brian's melody. They would they would finish the vocals in June at Columbia again because of that eight-track capability. And uh, yeah, of course, one of their most popular songs, a song that's pretty much synonymous with the Beach Boys. They opened their set for years with this song. It, it just never gets old for me, that orchestral intro and then that kind of cowboy bass part um, that Brian says was influenced by listening to Bach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just such a rad song, man. It's got all the little, like, shout-outs, um, which people love, and uh, a great vocal arrangement. And I uh, give it a 9 out of 10. It's really sounding good, too. Okay, this will be take 11, please. It's a perfect Beach Boys song. I think the everything about it. Oh man, why are you gonna show me up like that? I got to man. The uh, <sighs> the intro, the intro is truly one of the greatest moments in recorded pop music ever. Um, that and in- we should mention that tw- that Carl is the only Beach Boy to play on the song, and that's yeah. him on the intro doing the twelve string. Pretty rad. Yep, that intro is magic. It's on the level of any classical composer. I know that sounds crazy, but that intro is just magic. When that comes over the stereo, it always stops me in my tracks. Mike Love's vocal and lyrics on this are the best Mike Love things probably he's ever done. If you're going to just talk about, you know, true, you know, identifiable Beach Boys things, this is his apex. This is the Mike Love showcase, if you ask me. Um, because the lyrics are great, it encapsulates his personality perfectly in the lead vocal tone, and again, his lyrics. And it's everybody, Bruce included, on the vocals, 
to me, it's just, it was kind of before we hit Pet Sounds and Good Vibrations, this is probably the apex of where they wanted to be as a collective, probably all on the same page. I think this was the last time, just to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I love this one. 10 out of 10. All right, then. <clears throat> I'm sticking with 9 out of 10, but I am so into you giving it a 10 out of 10 because it is such a good song. And you can't really say anything bad about this song. I think if I had to nitpick it at all, I would say that Brian's uh, lead vocal is a little squirrely. That's all. But I think it's very good. Uh, I mean, the chorus lead, of course. Mike nails it in every way on this track. It's like such a quintessential Mike lead vocal. Love it. Yeah. What else is there to say about that about that song, man? Like everybody's heard it a million times, so let's move on. <laughs> um, it was released as a single, of course, on June twelfth with "Let Him Run Wild," and uh, would you believe it or not, it did not reach number one. It reached number three on the Hot One Hundred. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, if you can tell us what was number one and two, then uh, I don't know. We'll give you a shout out <laughs> sale on podcast at gmail.com hit us up all right next up april 7th the boys make another appearance on the shindig tv show which was a really big deal and um they were on there doing some of their newest hits like do you want to dance please let me wonder and help me Rhonda." and they also did fun 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 and long tall texan the song that just won't go away and um also their hearts were full of spring just really rad. My favorite takeaway from this, we've talked about the um, Do You Want to Dance where you've got Billy Preston sitting in on, on keys. But um, my favorite thing about this is the Please Let Me Wonder where they're kind of singing over the, the track, um, lip syncing, if, if you will. And uh, Brian is there, of course, and Brian hasn't really been playing a ton with them and he's a little pudgy. And he looks so uncomfortable and so nervous and just kind of out of place. But he looks so, so cute in this, man. Um, pause. But uh, he just looks awesome. I just love it. I love this, like, mid-65, kind of getting chunky Brian. Like, it's my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, but I do. Um, I just want to see him out there floating in, in Salt Lake, man. Just just what a, what a sweet hunk of a man. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> um, if you made it this far, I apologize, but I had to be real with you guys. Brian's a, Brian's a hunk, but um, my wife's asleep next door, just so y'all know. Uh, next up, they're back on tour, and uh, Glenn can't do some shows, and Brian's kind of like, okay, you guys got to find somebody else to do these shows because I'm not coming out. So Mike Love gives uh, their buddy Bruce Johnston a call. To say, hey, Bruce, we need somebody to fill in for Brian. Do you know anybody? And Bruce says, well, I mean, I'll try and find somebody. And he calls him back and says, I, don't, I can't really find anybody, but, I mean, I'll do it if you want. I jumped on a plane to New Orleans, squeezed into a pair of Alan Jardine's pants that were three sizes too small and four inches too short. And five hours later, I was on stage singing Surfing USA. And that's how I joined the Beach Boys. For those of you that don't know, Bruce Johnson was a producer and singer and songwriter in his own right. Um, we did a whole episode 
um, a few weeks ago dedicated to our favorite Bruce Johnston songs. The Brewster. And, uh, please check it out, man. He did some amazing stuff in the 60s and 70s. So check that out. But um, I think the story was they asked him how much he wanted to get paid, and he told him 250 bucks a week. Um, he was getting about $87 a week working at the record label. And he comes on for a few shows, 250 bucks a week. He gets his first check, and it's for $3,000. And I think um, Carl m- must have uh, thought that he meant 250 bucks a show. So he was getting this crazy paycheck for the first time in his life, and he was like, all right, let's keep doing this. <laughs> so he stuck around as long as he could. And, um, man, would you know, in a few weeks, he was singing on California Girls with the band, doing a pretty important counterpart um, at the end of the song. Um, and uh, it's kind of interesting. He did the same sort of thing at the end of God Only Knows. So Brian really liked Bruce's voice. He used it in places that was very prominent and um, had Bruce sing some some really cool stuff in a lot of, in a lot of the songs in the late 60s and early 70s, which I thought was really neat. Uh, and Bruce has a great voice, and it stands apart from the from the rest of the Beach Boys. But he's also really great at blending, and he would it, he would do Brian's parts live, and do a lot of all uh, Al's parts live as well. And he would double Al at times. Um, really, really versatile guy, great singer. He had never really played bass before, but he picked it up immediately, and just a super, super talented guy. Um, about the same age as Brian, so very cool. It worked out very well for everyone. And uh, Brian was able to stay home and work on more tracks. Um, Some really, really great tracks, which we will be talking about next time. So we're leaving you here. We're going to leave you hanging. But um, we really love this era. I think it's obvious. We love this record, and we're excited to talk about the rest of it. If you guys are super into this record, let us know. Send us an email at saleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media at Salon Sounds on Twitter and Instagram. You can give us a call and leave us a voicemail if you want a fast track to being played on the show. Because we, uh, we love those voicemails. It's fun and it keeps me from having to bumble through emails like an idiot. But um, it's 615-606-3887. And uh, as always, we want to thank our good buddy, Will C., for doing these awesome bumpers for us. WillCMusic.com. Check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash on for bonus content. And until next time, we'll see you guys real soon. Boom. Sail on, sailors. <laughs>